Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are going to be discussing Teen Vogue, promoting literal communism to their young readers. Then will you still be able to watch your favorite TV shows and movies online in the next year or so? Maybe not if social justice activists get their way. So first off, Teen Vogue, if you've seen the show before and you've been watching for a while, you may know that we have done several segments talking about how radical and degenerate Teen Vogue as an outlet has become. And ever since then now, anytime Teen Vogue puts out an outrageous article, which is frankly pretty dang often, I get a bunch of you folks sending those my way, tagging me in them, and honestly... I have mixed feelings about that. On the one hand, I love when you're all involved with the show and you let me know what type of content you want to see. I think that's great. Plus, just from an entertainment perspective, not going to lie, it is a lot of fun to laugh at how insane these people are. But on the other hand, from a general health perspective, uh, if I die from a heart attack at the age of 25, from the stress of seeing what the world is becoming, Teen Vogue will largely be responsible for that. But here we have an article all about the wonders of Karl Marx and communism that was actually put out by them in 2018, but they've started re-promoting it on their social media. And of course, uh, when they did, I got so many of you guys tagging me in it. I knew I had to respond. To clarify, before we get into it, I don't have a problem with Teen Vogue discussing Karl Marx. I think it's kind of strange. I would have thought that makeup, lip gloss, and like hair scrunchies would be more their lane, but whatever. They can talk about Karl Marx all they want. The issue I have with this, as we shall see, is that this is one of the most biased and just factually inaccurate depictions of communism that I've ever seen. And of course, there there is no similar puff piece devoted to the wonders of capitalism. These people definitely have an agenda. Before we go any further, I want to tell you about the best underwear on the market. I am, of course, talking about Tommy John. Want to know the secret to staying sweat-free this summer? I recommend Tommy John's Ultra Breathable Underwear and Bras. They have a range of summer-ready breathable options, but their cool cotton underwear for men and women is like having your own on-body AC. Tommy John's Cool Cotton is made from premium natural Pima cotton for enhanced airflow. It evaporates sweat super fast, keeping you drier, cooler, and more comfortable than regular cotton. Tommy John also has lounge pants, joggers, and the softest Zoom-ready tees and polos you've ever worn. We all know that there is a favorite pair of underwear in our wardrobes, right? That pair of underwear that as soon as it's out of the dryer washer, you grab it and you wear it. For me, that underwear is Tommy John underwear. The, the fabric, there's nothing else like it on the market. It is the softest, most breathable I've ever felt. If you haven't tried their underwear yet, I recommend you do. And Tommy John is so confident in their underwear that if you don't love your first pair, you get a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. For a limited time, go to tommyjohn.com lauren to get 20% off site-wide. That's tommyjohn.com lauren for 20% off site-wide. Again, tommyjohn.com lauren site for details. All right. So let's get into this article. Starts off by saying you may have come across communist memes on social media. The man, the meme, the legend behind this trend is Karl Marx, who developed the theory of communism, which advocates for workers' control over their labor instead of their bosses. Already, we can see that this is a very rosy depiction of what communism actually is. And I see so many young leftists have this idea that no, communism just means workers control their own labor versus capitalism, which is all about exploitation. That is just 
that is just wrong, right? Communism is all about, frankly, um, violating property rights, right? And that's why a lot of even conservatives I'll see say, oh yeah, communism sounds great in theory, it doesn't work in practice though, that's wrong. Even in theory, communism does not sound great because property rights are human rights and communism violates those property rights. In a capitalist society, workers have control over their own labor. They don't need to do anything they don't want to do. If a worker does choose, though, to work for someone and provide their labor, they are able to set their own price, whatever whatever they want. Now, it's someone else's freedom to also decide whether they agree to that price, but still, if, if there is an exchange of goods happening under capitalism, it's voluntary, which is why capitalism is beautiful. There's nothing voluntary, by and large, about communism. Uh, you know, for people who seem to talk about consent a lot, leftist progressives don't really bring it up when it comes to actual political systems, though. Let's continue with the article. Public high school teacher Mark Brunt teaches excerpts from the Communist Manifesto alongside curriculum about the Industrial Revolution in his English class. Okay, life pro tip here. If you want an accurate representation and discussion of communism, an English teacher or professor probably not the best place to go for it. Continues, Brunt talks about how these factory workers did all the legwork, including slaughtering animals and packaging meat on top of working long days with little, if any, time off to keep the factories intact, yet had very little control over their work, including their working conditions, compared to the profiteering factory owners. This is something that I see from the progressive left all the time. They love to paint the horrors, the bad working conditions that were seen in the Industrial Revolution on capitalism. Uh, it may surprise some of you to know this, but actually there were many, many things like trade protections and business regulations that existed in the 18 and 1900s that were very anti-capitalist, right? At its core, capitalism just means the free market, right? Lack of intervention in the economic sphere. That is not what was happening in the past. And it's funny, for all of their complaints about how poorly workers were treated during the Industrial Revolution, which was generations ago, these so-called human rights activists, they don't spend a lot of time discussing the current ongoing human rights abuses and terrible living and working conditions that people experience in countries like Venezuela, North Korea, and Cuba. Funny, funny that. But this English teacher continues, I do a little role playing with my class. I tell them I'm the boss, you're my workers, and you want to try to take me down. I have the money, I own the factory, I control the police, I control the military, I control the government. What do you guys have? His students usually blink at him, he says, totally clueless. He insists they actually have something huge that he as the boss will never have. It's always just one student whose hand shoots up and goes, we outnumber you, Brunt says. All right, so this again is something we see all the the time from the progressive left. The idea that society, especially the economy, is a zero-sum game, right? This idea that, oh, uh, I'm the boss, you're my workers, you want to try to take me down. For some people, they cannot imagine the fact that working arrangements can be mutually beneficial. And actually, it is an economic fact that it is possible to increase wealth for everybody while the richest people still become richer. But these people seem more concerned with how things work relatively rather than overall. But the article continues with former Drexel University professor George Chicharello Marr 
definitely mispronounced that, who uses Marx to teach history through an emotional, fluid, and ever-changing lens. It says, when I teach Marx, it's got a lot to do with the questions of how to think critically about history. Marx says we live under capitalism, but capitalism has not always existed. It's something that came into being and something that as a result, just on a logical level, could disappear. There's this myth of the free market, but Marx shows very clearly that capitalism emerged through a state of violence. Some examples of violence that aided in the establishment of capitalism in the United States include stealing the land of indigenous people and trafficking Africans through slavery. This is also something that an authoritarian, uh, someone on the left who loves big government will never understand because their system of government things like communism, socialism, dictates strong central power, they assume the same must be true for capitalism, right? Because you can't really have anarcho-communism is, is a meme, right? It's never going to happen. People want to keep their own property. Uh, that's why you can't really have socialism beyond maybe a small commune of hippies without a strong central government like the Soviet Union, North Korean regime, things like that. Capitalism, on the other hand, is actually the opposite. The bigger the government, the less likely there is to be true capitalism. Um, trying to paint, let's see, stealing indigenous land and trafficking Africans as capitalism, quote, the free market, doesn't really make sense because for capitalism to thrive, you thrive, you need to have property rights. It's actually one of the few government requirements that capitalism had. Um, both of the things he mentions, stealing indigenous land and trafficking Africans, they're a violation of property rights or just in general human rights. So blaming that on capitalism does not make sense. But let's, let's go through some more pieces here. We also have this piece from Teen Vogue called Class Solidarity is Our Only Hope for Survival. And this is actually part of an op-ed column, quote, by writer and radical organizer Kim Kelly that connects worker struggles and the current state of the American labor movement with its storied and sometimes bloodied past. So by their own admission, they have a radical activist writing an op-ed for them as a teen magazine. This is outrageous. Like I said, Nazism and communism, both evil. Communism, actually more so, I would say it's killed more people. They're both abhorrent ideologies. And seeing something like Teen Vogue just embrace the far left, the radical left openly without being canceled for it, it's just this gross double standard, right? Uh, anytime Trump uses the wrong symbol in a commercial, whatever, he's branded an extremist. These people are literally radicals by their own admission, and no one says a peep about it. It's it's sickening. I, I can't stand it anymore. Next up, we have this piece. Nine young Democratic Socialists of America members explain what socialism means to them. I don't want to be too mean here because, of course, uh, all of these activists are very young, but also I think if you open yourself up to participating in the realm of politics, Criticism should be fair game. Okay, so let's start with this. This one activist says, under capitalism, while you work hard to create valuable services and products, your boss sets your hours and your pay. You have no control over your life. Socialism is an economic, political, and social security system that empowers workers with control of their lives. Absolute BS, are you kidding me? You can tell that this is a young person who probably has only ever worked a minimum wage job. And frankly, you know what, you're right. If you are working as a worker with 
absolutely no skills, then you probably don't have a lot of control over things like your wage. Uh, I'm not going to say you have none at all because you, of course, always have the option to find another job, but that is not capitalism's fault. That is your fault. You don't have any skills. Of course, like what you think as a 19 year old, you should be able to demand hundreds of thousands of dollars and a three day work week for doing what? Flipping burgers? That's just not feasible. And the idea that socialism empowers workers, please, I would start a foundation, honestly. Like, maybe let's do it to send these young socialists to places where socialism is actually being enacted. Because trust me, it's not all, uh, I don't know, unicorns and iPods falling out of the sky for everybody. This is just plain ignorance. And I mean... They, they they need to have some Thomas Soul on here or something to balance this out because this is sickening. But here we have another person. I haven't read Marx or anything, off to a great start, but I grew up in a family that struggled very hard to make ends meet, despite working every day, sometimes 12 hours a day, being frugal and avoiding nearly any spending that wasn't necessary. We had a very hard time keeping the electricity on for much of my childhood. I understand socialism as an alternative to that world. Poverty is, of course, a terrible thing. But blaming poverty on capitalism with the assumption that socialism is the answer is just ignorant, all right? Time and time again, history has shown us that socialism, communism, these systems of economics and politics, they they don't result in super fun, happy lands with all of this wealth spread out evenly, amazing living conditions for everybody, human rights galore. No, that is not how that works. And as hard as it is to be poor in America, the truth is, relatively speaking, you are still so much wealthier than the majority of humanity living in other countries. And I think we need to do a better job educating young people so that they know that. We need to teach them more about history and about economics because honestly, if all these teenagers have to go off of communism is Teen Vogue articles like this, then we're in trouble. We're all in trouble. That's pretty much all I have to say about that headache for now. Moving on, though, to censorship. So it is it is no mystery that the left, especially the progressive left currently, they're not a huge fan of things like dissenting opinions and voices. The problem, increasingly, is that this censorious attitude they have isn't being just applied to politics. It's seeping into entertainment media as well. A while ago, we saw that Disney was essentially bullied when they launched Disney Plus into adding disclaimers about, quote, outdated representations on some of their older films. Even just recently, we see that people have been trying to bully networks into canceling shows about cops for being too friendly and positive toward cops. I think that the show Cops was actually canceled as a result and they've even started going after things like Paw Patrol. It is insane. And now it seems like just no show is safe. We have this article from Variety, 10 problematic films that could use warning labels. And I want you to keep in mind here that even though they're just talking about warning labels now, this is how it starts. Do you think these people will be happy stopping at warning labels and just allowing these problematic films to keep being watched by people? I don't think so. So I, I don't want to scare people too much, but if we don't put a stop to this now, it is very possible that in the future, 
you won't be able to watch these movies at all. Let's take a look at what this author says. It's now widely accepted that despite being a beloved classic, Gone with the Wind needs an explanation of its context when screened on TV or in theaters. It is not widely accepted. If you think that it is, you are in a probably left-wing Twitter echo chamber. They continue though, it's a start, but Hollywood's vaults are filled with movies that could benefit from an explainer or disclaimer about outdated depictions of race, sexuality, disabilities, and more. Now, if you think the concept of this of this article is terrifying. What's even scarier are the actual films that are allegedly so problematic because they kind of seem just like regular movies to me. Before we get into exactly what those films are though, I want to tell you about Ashford University. Dreams. We all have them and I say when it comes to dreams, the bigger, the better. And the dream of a better tomorrow starts with a degree from Ashford University. Ashford University's online bachelor's and master's degree programs allow you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule. At Ashford, expert faculty teaches you real world skills from real world experience in online classes built for life's twists and turns. You can learn from home or wherever you feel comfortable. Amazing considering all of the craziness that's been happening in the world right now. You can pursue a degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs like Business Administration, Healthcare Administration, and Psychology. With 24-7 access to your classroom, daily support, and financial aid available, Ashford gives you the tools you need to help make your dreams a reality. Dare to dream big. Your tomorrow starts today at Ashford University. There's no fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. Go to ashford.edu slash lauren. That's ashford.edu slash lauren. Ashford.edu slash lauren. Just be aware not all programs are available in all states. So let's get into this. First film that is problematic by 2020 standards, uh, sorry, Forrest Gump. That's right, beloved classic, not okay anymore. Here's why. Forrest Gump was made by intelligent people, won six Oscars, and is beloved by many. While the film is condescending to anyone with a disability, I don't know where they're, they're getting that. I think if anything, it humanizes people with disabilities. Vietnam vets, I mean, I guess it's not flattering towards some Vietnam vets, but okay. And people with AIDS, among others, it's actually hostile to protesters, activists, and the counterculture. As a bonus, quote, lovable title character Nathan Bedford Forrest was named after his grandfather, the first Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. All right. Next up, Silence of the Lambs. And okay, now, when you think Silence of the Lambs and why it would be problematic, your first inclination might be, oh, because it's very gruesome and violent and it's just in general probably not something children especially should be watching. No, actually, this author's problem with it is the way it portrays trans people. That's right. It says, Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 Psycho pioneered the idea of a cross-dressing serial killer, an image that Hollywood has used frequently throughout the years, often with a surprise twist ending. In the final scenes, Psycho says Norman Bates is not a transvestite. Similarly, Jonathan Demme's Best Picture winner takes pains to say that Buffalo Bill is not trans, but audiences remember the women's makeup, his little poodle, and the fact that he tucks his male genitals away to, uh, away to look female. Viewers remember the line about about fava beans, but it's doubtful if they remember the clarification about Buffalo Bill. So essentially what this person wants the disclaimer to be for Silence of the Lambs is that Buffalo Bill, the murderer who is trying to make skin suits out of women, is not trans. That is the important takeaway from that film because heaven forbid there be a trans serial killer in pop culture. Good to see we have our priorities in order. 
Okay, uh, this is my favorite one actually, True Lies. I am a huge fan of the movie True Lies. You might be trying to think, okay, like is there what negative depictions of LGBT characters? What's the issue? Uh, Arabs apparently. It's written, James Cameron is a rare filmmaker, a brilliant storyteller, and a true visionary. But even a genius can make a misstep. The film is entertaining and has some terrific set pieces, but the Arab characters are religious fanatics or terrorists or both. I mean, does that not sometimes happen though, right? I mean, if every James Cameron film ever portrays Arabs as the bad guy, maybe we could have a conversation about that being problematic. But I mean, if, if you were to make a movie about 9-11, would the, would the Arab, a lot of the Arab characters not be, you know, terrorists? I, I feel like there is a point of political correctness where you end up being unable to make bad guys a certain race or a certain gender identity for fear of painting all of people like that. Um, these people don't seem as concerned with portraying white people as villains, though. It's, this is just very exhausting. And actually, uh, even though this person Variety is asking for movies to be met with warning labels that currently don't have them, in the UK, actually, Sky Media, which is one of the biggest providers over there, has started putting disclaimers in front of movies already. We have this article from the Daily Mail talking about it. Sky Cinema, the broadcasting giant's movie service, has issued a disclaimer to its subscribers that some of its content has outdated attitudes, languages, and cultural depictions which may cause offense today. And again, what's even more shocking about this, aside from the general concept, is the actual films that are being slapped with these disclaimers. It says 16 films have the warning, including The Goonies. What's wrong with The Goonies? Aliens? What? Dumbo. Okay, I understand the scene with the crows. A lot of people not fans of that. Gone with the Wind, Lawrence of Arabia, Tropic Thunder. So now even comedy needs a disclaimer. The Jazz Singer, The Littlest Rebel, The Lone Ranger, Balls of Fury. I love Balls of Fury. What are they talking about? And The Last Samurai. Man, maybe The Last Samurai is too white savory for them. It says, Disney original animations of The Jungle Book, Dumbo, and Aladdin on Sky now carry the new warning over content. The same disclaimer was also added to the 2016 live action remake of The Jungle Book and the 2019 Aladdin movie, but the broadcaster later remove the warning from the from the Aladdin movie saying that it was a mistake. So what I want you to note with all of those films is that these aren't outrageous, totally disgusting racist films, right? I mean, you can say that some scenes are questionable, give or take, but especially when it comes to something like Aladdin or The Jungle Book, the, the idea that Aladdin, which I grew up with, it's not like it's 50 years old or whatever. This is like current generation almost. The idea that that's become so taboo, it now cannot be seen without a disclaimer. Um, we should be very worried about how quickly far left the Overton window is shifting. We have to get a hold of our culture again, especially in... In contrast to what's now deemed unacceptable, I want to take a look at something which current media standards are on board with, right? So remember, we can't really have um, disclaimer-free Aladdin, Forrest Gump, or Jungle Book. But according to the Daily Mail, forget normal people, this is the edgy BBC drama millennials are watching. I May Destroy You is praised for accurate scenes of drug use, threesomes and sexual assault and realistic period sex scenes. I don't know about you folks, but when I'm thinking about what 
you know, what shows are and are not appropriate, what does and does not need a disclaimer, I would take a million Dumbo Crows over something that has drug use, threesomes, sexual assault, and period sex scenes, right? And it's not as if we're moving toward a purer standard of media where everything is just super family-friendly and rosy and happy and not controversial at all. No, we are moving toward honestly, just debauchery on screen. I mean, think about the most popular shows nowadays. They're all, they all are pretty graphic in terms of violence and sex scenes, right? They all have open marriages or pansexual this or that. So we, we're moving away from anything that could possibly be seen as quaint or traditional or that previous generations had an attachment to, and instead being forced to embrace this disgusting new standard of media. And it's just like, it's a lose-lose for everybody. Again, uh, I, I do want to be clear that so far this is just adding disclaimers, but that is the for first step toward removing things entirely. And actually, I mean, Gone with the Wind, apparently HBO was going to be putting it back, but they did at first remove it. And I don't think these people are going to be happy until they are able to pull things they don't like from being seen entirely. These people are a minority. Why corporations keep bowing down to them it is, it is frustrating, but as always, that's pretty much I have to, all I have to say, and I would love to hear what you guys think. Um, do you think things like film warnings are going to be coming to more platforms like Netflix or even Amazon Prime? And do you think we will soon start to see even maybe things like Aladdin pulled from streaming services entirely because these people are so upset with them? Let me know, but that's it for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.